Eric podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. Yeah. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I'm your host, Eric Antonsen. Today's guest on the show is Mateo L. It was super fun. Mateo came to Florida for the Foil Racing League race that was down in Cocoa Beach, but he stopped in Jack's for a couple days to hang out with Brian uh, before the race. So we got to spend a few days flying together and learning from Mateo was insane. Um, Guys next level, super smooth on all fronts. Um, The way that he can pump efficiency on foil turns he's doing strapped air game it's all incredibly impressive Uh, Mateo's having quite the year as well he won at the gorge the downwind race at the gorge and then at the foil racing league event he got first in the sup race and then second in the prone race and he was doing great in the prone race and then Austin got him right at the end kind of got on different bumps and Austin got a better line but fantastic race there as well um we had some audio issues we it was the first podcast that we've done in the studio where i tried to have three mics hooked together and everything was going well one of the mics was not um through the same audio input it was a a usb mic and so brian's mic for the second half of the show was off time and cut out it got really weird so i had to up the level on my mic to pick up brian and and that's created some i don't know the audio isn't as good as i would have liked having it uh having a show in the in the studio and brian's a little bit more distant but um content is good and the stories and and what i learned from mateo is all time so hope you guys truly dig the episode a couple notes before we hop in i have had probably my best two weeks right now of learning that I've had that I had in a, in a long time um, I spent a, uh, I don't know at least a week dialing the lift 120 with the foil parts adapter playing with all sorts of different tails and configurations and unbelievable what being able to dial the tail angle of attack Uh, for feel does to a foil the lift 120 was already a good foil and then being able to customize feel really unlocked it i mean it makes it 20 to 30 percent better and i've talked about that on the show a little bit but what's really cool is that at the foil race um damien leroy was down there uh, brendan was down there from cabrina and i got to take home the new cabrina 800 and the 800 is a very similar foil when you look at it to the the lift 120 um with kiahi's tuning involved that's what i would say i would say that you know the lift 100 uh, 120 is tuned a certain way and the the cabrina 800 is tuned just a touch differently the profile is a little bit thicker there's a little bit more anhedral it still has flared tips at the end no problem breaching uh it is currently a fixed fuse length and tail it's a 16 180 centimeter 16 wide 180 centimeters um uh, area tail and it it's different than the lift 120 in that its stall speed is a little bit lower 
it's a little bit and I'm comparing this to the Lyft 120 with the 34 tail or with the Lyft uh, 25 HA tail it's a little less pitchy especially as you're moving through the speed range um, but it's also you know a fixed tail to where you can't dial it and first feels on the foil were fantastic and, and so I spent a lot of time trying to get the surf feels that I want out of it without being able to change the tail and so normally I would just add a lot of lift on the tail probably a shorter like a, a blunt cane tail I think would pair incredibly well with it hopefully they'll give us that option in the future um, and what I have found is that I have spent the last I don't know year becoming very dialed at dialing equipment for the feels that I like and I feel like I'm a receptive foiler, like I, I try to learn from gear, but being locked into a foil that I really wanted to learn how to fly, I, I mean, I'm so inspired by the way the Kiahi surfs that foil, and I wanted to emulate those lines, and so I really had to start playing with foot stands, and I really had to start playing around with how do I get the feel that I want from this foil with the limitation of not being able to, to move the tail around, and started moving my front foot back, my back foot up, finding the sweet spot on the foil and it has unlocked a new understanding of dialing feel and then I took that in the last three sessions I guess now three or four sessions back to the Takuma 1210 and it has completely unlocked the way that I'm able to surf the 1210 that last video if you guys didn't see it I posted a video pretty small day pretty pretty cruisy lines um, on the 1210 and that video is a result of the work I did on the Lift 120 and then the Cabrina 800. And it's a, just a really cool new understanding of micro adjustments, especially on the front foot, to get the feel that you want through turns without having to drastically shift weight front to back, which allows you to be much more calm and collected through a turn and and from a stylistic standpoint lets you do much more from an upper body perspective and it, it butters it all out and so i know it's very nuanced but it has fundamentally changed the way that i'm looking at my relationship to the board and and pedigo and i have been talking a lot about stances offset stances a little bit on the show but a lot together when we're, when we're foiling together and Pedigo's landed more offset and there's some limitations to that, especially in banging foam or um, certain types of turns, but there are definite benefits to it when it comes to driving bigger wings and getting them to roll, having more leverage over your rail. And so I'm also playing around a lot right now with moving in and out. I've always moved forward and back on the board, but I haven't moved in and out off the stringer much. And that's something that I'm starting to play with now as well. And it's really unlocking a bigger foil for me. So play with it, guys. I, there's the sport's so deep, you know. Um, I just recorded with Adam Bennett's. That one will come out next week. And a common theme that I am finding is that, you know, we're two, three years into this game at this point, and it's better now than it's ever been. It's so much more fun, and we're learning so much from the gear from riding different gear you get a different understanding and feel and it's, it's just incredible i'm so grateful to have found this and it's made just uh the last couple years just so ridiculously fun and so I'm stoked that you guys are coming along for the ride on that listening to the show i appreciate all the questions comments feedback if i'm slow to get back on instagram just means i'm having a busy week so i apologize but but i'll get back and 
Thanks for everything. Hope you enjoy this fun conversation with Mateo L. Today's going to be a fun one. We have live in the studio right now, Mateo L. What up, Mateo? What's up? And Brian Finch for the world. Brian, what up, Brian? Yo. And I have to say, yesterday was pretty incredible. We got to, Mateo got in a couple nights ago, and yesterday we had two sessions out back and then this other spot, and getting to watch what you are doing and how far, you wonder where the level is and where the best guys are, and yesterday was pretty impressive. Like, your Thanks. stick rate on everything that you're doing, the, the ease at which you stay up on pump, it's, there's a whole nother level out there, and I think the sport's going to pass us old guys by. <laughs> or has. I've been dealing with this for three years. Yeah. Just <laughs> depression sessions every time I foil with them, because just the rate at which he improves mm-hmm. and what he's capable of is more, it's not truly depressing, but... It's inspirational, right? It's very inspirational, but it is, uh, the writing's on the wall. Yeah, it's over. Us old timers. <laughs> oh, gotcha. We need to start separating contests or whatever into age brackets here pretty soon, dude. <laughs> 40 plus. WF. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so tell us about you, Mateo. I am from Kauai. I've lived there my whole life, and I grew up surfing with my family. Like, almost every day after school, I just head down to the beach and go surf. Yeah. And then when I was about 13 or 14 years old, no. Yeah, 13, I think. I started foiling. My dad bought a foil, and I would, whenever like I had some free time and he was working or something, I'd go foil. And I just went every chance I could get, and it just got better and better. And after about a year or something, I like started using straps, and then that kind of progressed my like air abilities. And then, yeah. Yeah. What, what was the first moment where you really thought foiling was your future? Because, you know, it, it's a big switch from shortboarding to foiling. It's a whole different crew. It's a different setup. You have to separate from your friends a little bit, the whole thing. Like, how did foiling take over? Was there a moment or an experience? It was right after the Kalapaki Bay foil challenge. Okay. At this point, how much were you foiling? It was every day, every day after school. Okay. And there was this contest on Kauai, and I did pretty well in it. And then right after that, Armstrong sent me a contract. And right then I was kind of like, oh, like maybe I can make a career out of this. And then from there, I've just been foiling every day since yeah. pretty much at the beginning though when you just started foiling and you, I'm sure you didn't just switch immediately there wasn't like a day you're like oh I'm done shortboarding I'm just gonna foil that you probably foiled and shortboarded was there a moment in that beginning process where you started to see the potential in foiling or you were having different experiences that you enjoyed more than surfing what was it at the beginning that even made you want to pay attention to foiling it was just something different that I'd never done before and I feel like learning something different is always more fun than doing like the usual right and like I still surf and stuff all the time I enjoy surfing still but the conditions for surfing usually have to be better 
than the conditions for foiling. And even on Kauai, where you would think the waves are pretty good most of the time, like it's a lot better for foiling most of the time. Yeah. Especially when you factor in the crowds at yeah. the main spots, the really good waves. The crowds can be pretty brutal. You have to battle for waves nowadays. Yeah. And that can take out some of the stoke because, you know, I can totally relate to Mateo there is that waves have to be really good to and not crowded to want to choose. Right. Choose foiling over surfing. The, the better I get at foiling, the better the waves have to be for me to want to surf. And at this point, it's if it's not kegging, if there's not barrels... I don't think I really want to surf anymore, at least on the East Coast. That's the other thing is that here we spend so much time foiling that you're not going to be dialed when you get back on the shortboard, right? It's going to be, I don't know. Ugly. Yeah, ugly. You're just going to be paying for it. <laughs> Went through this again recently and ugly. <laughs> I watched. So Something that we've talked about on the show, and I don't know if you've heard this yet, but I've been talking about skill mapping. I've been talking about the benefits of doing multiple board sports and how that progresses each one of them independently. So if you look at a Kyleni, a Kiahi, Zane, you know, there's a ton of guys out there that are Austin Tovey, he rode with yesterday. I think that if you look at their progression, it seems like the sum of the sports makes each sport better. Does that resonate with you? Do you feel like you're drawing from surfing back into foiling? Definitely. How so? It's just like the experience I've had in the water just brings that into foiling, I feel like. Yeah. The experiences I've had from surfing helps my foiling progress. Yeah. Do you find that there are specific maneuvers that you do in surfing that the next time you foil, you're seeing a different line that you wouldn't have before? That happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to do like more like snappy turns mm -hmm. on the foil and stuff. Right. And those are pretty fun. Yeah, I was watching your snappy turns yesterday, which maybe bummed me out a little bit <laughs> at times. So, who are you looking up to these days in the sport? You're in a very elite class right now, but who are you drawing inspiration from? It's Kai Lenny for sure. Kai. Have you spent time with him? Have you gotten to foil with him? I have not gotten to foil with him yet. I've met him one time. Yeah. And I foiled with his brother Ridge a few times, and Ridge rips. He's really good. What are you looking at in Kai that inspires you? Just the insane stuff he's doing on all types of boards, like from big wave surfing to kiting and foil, foiling and stuff. And yeah. It's all, everything he does is amazing and he's at the top of it. Yeah. His Waco clips have been blowing my mind. Yeah. I feel like he's going to redefine surfing with what he's doing strapped and the way he's getting into straps right now so quickly it's people are going to start to follow that at some point and the surfing air game is going to become insane yeah your foiling air game is i foil with austin a lot and austin is incredible like i've watched austin land stuff that just blows my mind what was impressive about watching you foil yesterday is your hit rate your out like your amplitude in all your airs like you're jumping out of the frame in the video like on most of them like Sarah, my wife, videos, she's amazing, best woman on the planet. She, halfway through the session yesterday, started framing you differently so that when you would boost, you'd still be in frame. You can see the, I don't know if you looked at the clips, but like, you can see that. Talk about 
the amplitude that you're getting and, and why your hit rate might be so high and, and what you're thinking about when you're boosting. This is going to be relevant to not as many people, but I think it's pretty inspirational. Well, when I'm looking to do a big boost or whatever, I just get as much speed as I can, try to go down the line and look for look for like kind of a, a ramp and then almost like a flat section to land in. And I just jump as high as I can and then look for my landing and I guess just land, I guess. It's hard to explain, but... Mateo's like one of the most consistent guys... I could believe. I've ever foiled with, and not only just in airs, right. definitely, especially in airs, but yeah, but in, in general. Right. In wave riding, start to finish, mm-hmm. winging, downwinding, all that. I'm here to be your hype man. <laughs> good, good, <laughs> bro. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible to see. Yeah. Brian was telling me that I was going to be incredibly impressed, you know, for the last week as you were coming out here. And for sure, it's like, it's pretty sick to watch. So in following your feed, I see, you know, like the air clips, the strapped surf clips, and then the downwinding and then the winging. What are your favorite aspects of all the different sports within foiling? Well, right now, my, f- my favorite is probably kiting. I've just gotten into that and it's also something new for me. And that's why it's really fun right now. And I've been going out every day. It's windy, and I have this spot right in front of my house that I can go out. I just go out for as long as I can until dark, right after school. And are you learning kiting on foil, or are you learning kiting on a you know like a twin tip right now? I learned on a twin tip and a surfboard, and now I'm riding foil and a surfboard and twin tip when it's super windy. But yeah, usually doesn't happen that much. But we've been getting some good wind lately, and I've been able to use all those types of boards. Yeah. And it's been really fun. What's the difference for you in uh, the wing and then you like about each one of those different sports? The wing, I feel like, is really good when riding waves. And the kite is good for, like, when you really want to boost high and mm-hmm. have a lot of power and stuff. And... For winging, it needs, for me to have fun now, it's got to be, like, at least chest high. Yeah. And I I really don't really enjoy going out and flat water winging anymore. No. Maybe, like, sometimes, like, in the gorge, it's fun to do, like, practice tricks and stuff. But riding waves winging is the best form, I think. Yeah. Do you like it in the surf, or do you like it, like, downwind? More. I like it more in the surf. In the surf. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when downwinding is just like in the way. Yeah. You prefer sup downwind or it just depends on the run? I I first started sup downwinding first. Yeah. And that got me into prone downwinding and I went to Wahoo where they have a really good prone downwinder there and did that run a few times and came back to Kauai and tried to do one, but everywhere on Kauai is kinda like hard to access and there's like cliffs blocking the shore and stuff so if you do a downwind prone and you fall you're pretty screwed you gotta paddle all the way back so that's why i kind of just stuck to sup and i've been doing sup a lot lately did you sup surf back in the day i was just getting into it when i started foiling maybe had a few months before i started foiling yeah. Foiling has pretty much killed SUP for me. I love SUP surfing. Like, I'm a huge fan of it, but everything that it gave me 
I find the foil gives it to me better. You know, you yeah. catch more waves, yeah, just everything, efficiency, access to spots that people don't like, all that. What are your gnarliest downwind stories? I've um, watched like that last one you had, that session looked so sick, but it, what are some of the craziest things that have happened to you that far offshore? So recently I was on Oahu this past weekend and me and some of my friends did a Hawaii kite run, which is eight miles long. And the wind was blowing about 30, 30 plus. And there was also a south swell and it was just absolute chaos. There was side swells coming from every angle and it was hard to stand on your board and do strokes with your paddle and stuff. I like, we went down the coast, we rode about eight miles. It was, it's pretty hard to get up at first, but we all got up and then we were going down the coast and all my friends were like telling me to stay out and because of the waves and stuff at the end. And I like just took the inside line and I, the wind got really light and I was on a pretty small wing and I dropped in the gnarly zone and a good sized set came and I wasn't wearing a leash and I had my big sup board and a paddle. And I lost my board. Oh, God. And I was just, like, swimming with my paddle, maybe a quarter mile offshore. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, I guess I got to swim in. And she, like, started swimming in. And then it's probably swimming for 15 minutes. And then I, like, looked back out to see if there was another wave coming. And I saw my board to to the left of me. And it was just, like, sitting in the channel going out. And I was like, sick, maybe I can grab this. <laughs> so I like started swimming as hard as I could. And then I was probably, I was like getting really close to it. And then it, it went into another surf zone and there was a guy riding a wave and he like almost ran into it. And then he, he grabbed it for me and brought it to me. It was a pretty gnarly experience. That's insane. And have you changed your stance on wearing leashes now, downwind? <laughs> that session, definitely, I should have wore a leash. But when it's lighter, I feel like I don't really need a leash. Yeah, not as much of an issue. Yeah. But, yeah, with 30 miles an hour and a pretty good-sized south swell, I should probably have been wearing a leash. Yeah. Do you wear any flotation or anything like that when you're out there? I usually just wear a rash guard. Yep. You've got an Apple Watch. Yep. Is it hooked up? Do you use that for safety backup? Yep, definitely. I was texting with my friends when I lost my board. They were like, where are you? <laughs> nope, out the back, swimming. <laughs> were they done with the run at that point? Yeah. How's that feeling? I just had that feeling of being the last guy in from the run. Does that bother oh, you? It's the worst. It's the worst thing in the world. When everyone gets up on foil and leaves you, it's like such a, it's such a deserted feeling. Yeah. And you start getting desperate. And start making, you know, starting to try to scrap in or chip into waves that you probably shouldn't be more patient for. Yeah. And yeah, it's literally a terrible feeling. It's like putting on the green at the Masters or something like that. Like, you, you got to do it, and it's so hard. And then you start, like, trying to catch up to them and go faster, and then sometimes you, like, 
catch a rail and then you go down and then you get even more pissed yep. off. Yeah, there's like a feeling of desperation in, in not panic, but yeah. There's that moment like when you can't see anybody anymore too. It's <laughs> just this is terrible. I just want to go in. I had a bad one the other day. It was actually a really good run. I learned so much. I was on the 120 and it was big and I kept making a mistake. Maybe you can talk to this a little bit. I kept making a mistake of the seams were a lot bigger than it normally is out here. It was, you know, probably what, chest to head high on the sets. and Yeah, it was head high sets for sure. This, the seams were big. So usually the seams are pretty small. When I say seams, I'm like talking about like the, the side shore bumps. We do shore runners. So you've got a swell and then you've got side shore bumps and you go from swell to peeling off in the seam. Then you can ride the seam back out to the next swell and you zigzag down the beach. But the seams were really big and I kept getting in the wrong spot. And generally you can pump through some seams to catch the next wave if, if you're not right in the right spot. But the seams were so big that the 120, I couldn't pump through a seam. I'd start pumping through and then you're going uphill and I would stall out. I made the same mistake like three times and at that point everybody was gone. And I was all by myself. And then I figured out, like, I started peeling back. And so if I couldn't get yeah. there, I would peel back to the next seam. And I, I could do that, and that seemed to be the winning ticket. But what are some other secrets you've, you've learned about downwinding? Or Yeah, it's usually if you know you can't get into that next one, you just kind of you turn either left or right, depending on the wind direction, and then you turn back and go straight, and then you get on the one behind. Yep. And that's the way. Once I figured that out, I had some really good runs at the end there. But at that point, I was pretty spent. I'm curious, like, how often you come off a of foil on long downwinders. It's usually when I fall, but most of the time. <laughs> yeah, doing, like, the 8-mile, like, the Liahi run or... Yeah. Yeah, how often, like, usually it's a one-shot? It's Yeah, it's usually one-shot. That one day, I fell one time, though. Sometimes... Me and my friends just go down and then practice like paddling back up into a bump and practice that a few times. But it's usually we go down for choice or we just make it the whole way. And are you guys riding 85 masts? Yep. 33 yeah. inch, 32 or 33 inch. It gives so much more safety, yeah. room to work with, insurance policy. What's your cardio like on those runs compared to pumping around, you know, like we were doing yesterday at the second spot we surfed? You know, are you getting tapped out on cardio? And how long are those runs? When it's lighter, definitely you get tired. But when it's good, like, you, you're basically just standing there the whole time and just cruising and get an endless wave. It's sounds sick. sick. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. When that run is working on Oahu, yeah, it's carve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> carve more than you pump. It's insane. They've got, like, such a world-class setup there. That's yeah. Epic. Well, how about uh, Maliko run? That's... That run like evaded me. Every time I went to Maui, it wasn't working. Wind wasn't working. Day before, day after I was there, it was, it's heartbreaking. That's I'm still dying to do that run. But can you speak on the Maliko run? Yeah, the Maliko run is is pretty sick. But that uh, the run that we did this past weekend was a lot better than the, any of Maliko runs I did before. But I can't even imagine what Maliko was like the, this past weekend. I bet it was just insane. I know I saw a post from uh, Dave Kalama that he's set new speed records. That thing looked insane. It looked nuts. Yeah. Dave is fast, I've yeah. heard. He's a beast. Like, even back in the sub racing days, like, he was, you know, battling with Kai. And, you know, I think Kai beat him in the last one, but 
Dave was, was over twice his age. Like we talked about that on the podcast one time. Just insane. And twice his size too. Oh yeah. Easy. Dave's a big dude. Yeah. He's a big dude. He's a thick one. That's epic. The what are you riding on those? Nine twenty five now? Mostly? Yeah, I've been riding the nine twenty five the most. Yeah. When it's lighter I use the eleven twenty five, but I've mainly just been sticking to the high aspects lately. So we got the big yeah, we got the we got the race coming up this weekend. You're in town for the pump race. Yep. What's your strategy? I'm gonna try and just catch a wave, pump to the buoy down downwind or whatever, and then pump back as far as I can. And if I can't pump all the way, I'm gonna run, I guess, and try to be the fastest. It's a good strategy. Winning is a good strategy. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking I'm on the fence about doing it right now. I'm not. I don't love endurance races but i was thinking attacked might be pumping out and then yeah. connecting out the back and getting a lot of free time so basically you could cut the distance in half if there's enough bumps each way and it would be slower but then I hope you could make the whole run on foil for someone or at least making it back. i think you might preserve cardio that way well, yeah that's all i ever think about when i'm on foil is how to preserve cardio yeah so you must hear and flow what do you think it's pretty fun. Like, yeah. It's really, it's like small, but like rippable, like easy to do maneuvers. I feel like in Hawaii, it's a lot more gnarly. Right. Got like big, like side waves coming at you in all different ways and a lot of wind. Quite especially, it's, there's not a tough, classy, smaller, like rippable performance kind of days. Even, even uh, like, on a glass day, there still can be a lot of movement in the water. Right. And then the power factor, like when you whack the whitewash in Hawaii, it tries to whack you right back. You know, it's really punchy and push around quite a bit. Here, the difference is like, it, it's, you know, it, it's more like lowers versus Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes know, sense. Like, yeah, more, more of like it, it, I feel like here it lets you really shortboard your foil a lot easier, right. forgiving. You know, we've had a lot of longer periods. Well, we've had two hurricane swells in the last like month and a half now, each, you know, about a week of long period swell. And it really makes me realize that my gear is not dialed for longer period swell. How are you changing gear or setup between, you know, bigger days and smaller days and especially period? I find period has so much to do with speed and energy. On the smaller days, like the yesterday or whatever. Right. I I usually use a shorter mast and sometimes a shorter fuselage. I feel like that makes me that helps me maneuver around better. And, and what fuses do you go between? You ride Armstrong. Shorter mast. I saw you on yesterday. It's like a twenty twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. Small. And the different fuses I use are a, a 50, 50 fuse centimeter fuselage. Yeah. And a sixty centimeter. And when it gets really big and we start like towing into some big ones, like we'll use a 70 meter fuselage. Yep. But for the most part, I'm using 60. It's like the all around, I feel. Yeah. You were on that yesterday, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Austin has said that he likes longer. He likes the, the longer mast for boosting because he more pop out of it. Do you find that you get more pop out of a longer mast when you're boosting? It, it has more forgiveness and you get... I think you actually can get higher out of the water, but right. the reason I use a mass is because it's kind of more like snappy and you can kind of whip it around more and lighter and you can 
maneuver it around in the air easier. Yeah. Rotations too. I notice a lot. Yeah. Shorter mast is a lot easier to rotate. Yeah, you're spinning really quickly and everything I'm watching you do. It's sick. What uh, what do you think we should know about Mateo, Brian? Like, you've gotten to spend a lot of time with him on Kauai, foiled a bunch together. He's, he's got some contest accolades already, too. Yeah? He's just downplaying the Kalapaki foil challenge. You were, I think you were 14, right? Yeah. 14, he surfed both divisions, sup and prone. I think he got second in prone. Yeah. And then he won the sup. Unreal. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty unreal. unreal. It was a very tiring day. Yeah, but he handled it. still looked fresh in the water. And then what did you just win recently in Hood River? You won a race there. Yeah, I won the downwind foil, sup foil. And that was stacked, too. You had Jack and Austin yeah. Kalama. Yeah, those guys were hard to beat, but I, I just got a good bump right at the start and just pumped away as fast as I could. And I got up really quick and I just never looked behind and just went and just yeah. pumped for hard as I could and as fast as I could. How much does gear matter? Obviously you, you've got the talent set and the cardio and the everything's there, but how much does gear matter when you're already at the 99th percentile? Like it, it absolutely matters yeah. because if you are on like a, thinner profile wing and or a thicker profile wing like obviously you're going to go faster on the thinner one right so you were on the 1125 for that race yeah that wing is pretty thin compared to the other wings in their market and that's why i chose that one it's probably the most efficient foil that i've pumped i didn't um i ended up selling it I, I you know I want the 925 925 looks money for what we do here but for what we do we spend a lot of time in the surf and it felt a little wide for that you know but I've never felt a foil that just was that easy to stay up on foil on so efficient it's a very good pumping wing yeah not really a good ripping wing right yeah what are you looking forward to over these next couple of years in this growing sport I'm looking forward to doing some more competitions and meeting new people and the Hood River event, I met so many new people, and it was really cool. Yeah. Right on. Pauses for a second. So doing these contests and traveling like you have, what are you enjoying about the travel, the different spots, the culture? It's it's pretty amazing. This past year, I've been traveling a, a, a whole lot, and every spot I go, it's something new and something very exciting and fun and I really enjoy traveling and going to all these different spots and meeting all these new people and making connections and it's, it's really great. Yeah. What are your? Oh, go ahead, Brian. Brian, well, ship it. What kind of stuff are you learning from seeing all these different riders and crews and waves? I'm learning that there are some pretty insane people doing some pretty insane maneuvers with winging and kiting and all this stuff it's pretty cool to see it all in person like you see it in the instagram videos and stuff and you're like whoa that's really cool but like to see it in person it makes it 10 times cooler that's what i was telling watching your videos like you can tell you you rip but i'm like eric you gotta see in person it's like a whole new thing but you could probably say that about everyone right you, you probably could, but the thing that was impressive yesterday is that I think that, you know, I'll post clips on Instagram and generally the clips that I'll post are 
pretty good bit better than the rest of my session was. Like you could have picked probably one of 30 moments from your session yesterday or more that to, you know, all as good as the best stuff that you're doing, which is what's so, so impressive, I think, is just that consistency and being able to just, and for contests, like I hope that one day we get like real surf contests in foiling that hit ratio. It's like, I got to Italo surf for a little while. And that was the most impressive thing about him was that every wave was keeper like, and if he blew it, it was by touch and the next one he moneyed. And I feel like it was very sim watching you foil. Yeah. Let's dive into learning a little bit. Like you're obviously progressing at an incredibly fast clip right now in the sport. How seriously are you taking the learning process and what does that look like for you? Do you study the sport? Do you break down videos? Are you filming yourself? Like how serious are you about that? Or is it more just innate talent? Definitely. When I started and forwards in like flips, right? I, I watched this video of Jeffrey Spencer, like over and over again. I studied it a while and then went out and attempted it and it it was pretty hard and I was pretty amazed what these guys were doing like how easy they were coming out of it and I have a lot of I don't know what's the word I really look up to those guys yeah do you in watching a video like that or in in learning your pump technique if you're looking at other people, what do you, what are you noticing? What do you break down? Do you about style? Do you think about foot placement? Like how are you taking, if you were going to teach someone to learn, like you learn, what would you be telling them to do? Just teaching them the technique and like how to keep going instead of stalling out. Cause I know it's a big problem for beginners. They kind of start stalling out as they're pumping mm-hmm. out. And so keeping forward, you like, yeah, you got to put your front foot down and keep moving forward, I guess. Yeah. You're super efficient on the pump. Like, what's what 101 pumping with AO? What are you thinking about when you're pumping? How would you coach everyone listening to, to pump like you do? Keep the mast high mm-hmm. and don't pop the front wing out of the water and just try to, like, keep the very consistent and... Don't bring the mass too low because then that's when you start to drop it. Yeah. I was watching you yesterday and it seems like you go back and forth between two different arm movements where when you're at speed, you're going forward and back like on a one to two cadence, like two pumps for a forward and back. And then in some moments you're going from like your hips back with both arms, like at each pump. And I modeled that a little bit. I tried it a couple times yesterday. It was really hard for me to find any extra efficiency in that, but Pedigo does it too, to, to high effect. I watch him. Yeah. Like how do you think about your arms or do you think about it as just natural or, or are you thinking about like when your body mechanic is moving differently on, on the upper half think like when i'm at a low speed yeah i try to keep my whole body like moving and try to project me more forward but like when i'm at a high speed i don't really need to use my body as much and can just use my legs yeah i remember you used to take your foot out of the strap to pump switch your feet around are you still doing that i didn't notice it yesterday i usually do that but yesterday i moved my mast farther back so that I didn't need to and then but in doing that my back leg back leg started to burn yeah so I have a bet the gambit has been laid down you don't know about this yet 
but my good buddy Mike Pettigo, we were talking last night, and he bet 50 bucks that you can't pump from our house to the pier. And back. Yeah, 50 bucks from the pier to the to pier and back. So I don't know if you want to accept that bet. That's a, uh, no, it's two-mile pump. The, the pier's a mile and a quarter to the oh, pier. I thought the pier was two miles. Two, two miles. And I think he has ulterior motives. I think that he wants to beat you in the race, and I think he wants to get you really you tired. But it might be more It might be more prize money doing that, 50 bucks, than you're going to make it the, at the – so I don't know if you want to take that bet or not, but Pedigo um, laid it down, 50 bucks, pier and back today. You want to accept it? I'm going to accept that. Yeah. Yep, I want to try that today. <laughs> Might have to put a little bit of a bigger wing on, though. Okay. Cactus coming in hot right now. Yeah, he's like, he got a new foil for this. He's got the 1440. He, he We were talking this morning, and he said that he is able to stay up in the surf today for five minutes on the 1440. Wow. Yeah. And, um, I've seen Mateo up for 15 minutes. Yeah, I told him he did not going to have a chance. <laughs> and that's when the bet happened. <laughs> my, my record is 105 waves for... 45 minutes good grief oh my god and that was on the 11 25 that's insane that is ridiculous 45 minutes on foil that's absolutely ridiculous and not downwinding just in pumping the surf out, catching yeah waves, pumping out oh my god and when you're doing that are you just resting on those waves or were you actually even surfing too was it you were just going i was just kind of like getting on them riding for a few seconds straightening my legs resting and then i'd pump back out and get the next one and then ride for a few seconds and then pump back out and get the next one and oh. do that 105 times. How'd you feel after that session? It actually got too dark and I had to go in. <laughs> I, I think I probably could have went for like maybe like 50 minutes. And I just decided not to do the race this weekend. <laughs> that was the final straw. I'll be surfing on the side. Unreal. That's crazy, dude. I'm trying to fathom that right now. But then again... You're 16, you're 140 pounds. Yeah, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. I was thinking today we should strap like a 45 pound weight belt on you and then see what happens. Just don't fall. <laughs> that would be funny. My, my dad always yeah, says exactly. that. <laughs> my dad always says that. He's, when we're winging and stuff, he always has to use like pretty like big gear, like big board, big wing and big foil. And I'm like, Dad, you should get on smaller stuff. And he's put a 50 pound weight on you, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's valid. It's valid, but it's not taking anything away from what you're doing. But that's insane. Mateo, what are there any moves that you're working on, right? Any tricks, maneuvers that maybe have been eluding you that you're having a hard time getting or just new stuff you're working on? I've definitely been having a hard time doing the front flip on the wing. And. I've also been attempting some backflips in the prone surf, and but I haven't landed them yet. You get pretty close, even yesterday. yesterday it's like a tantrum yeah. I saw yesterday. Look like. Yeah, that was. I don't really try them that much, cause like I would rather just land something instead of blow the wave. But yesterday it just seemed like the right day for it, so I was trying them a few times. And, Mateo was pressuring me yesterday to, I had to pull the injury card. <laughs> you got a bunch of cards you could pull. <laughs> Laundry list. So we're about to go send it out back right now. It's looking really fun. Tide's filling in. You're going to pump to the pier first? You're going to surf first and then pump to the pier? <laughs> I think I should probably pump to the pier first, just in case it's harder than I think. Yeah. <laughs> probably don't want to do a prone session before I try it. Right. And I'm going to be all tired. What about Sunday? 
I'm gonna take in that challenge Sunday. <laughs> I got a lot of friends in the contest on site, but I really want you to win. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I Thank think it was you. a joke from Pedigo. I don't know if I would do it either, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> Place prize money and then come and scrape up that 50 bucks on your way home. I don't know if it counts. I think, <laughs> I think it's just today, a one day deal. You didn't stipulate. <laughs> oh, we'll have to text him and see. <laughs> I don't want to get stuck paying it. Classic. All right, we want to go send it out back. Sounds good. What? How do people follow you on Instagram? What are what are the best ways to follow your journey? Yeah, my Instagram is all lowercase Mateo underscore L. Okay. E L L. Yep. And uh, parting words. What words of wisdom do you want to get give anyone? Just go out and foil as much as you can. That's what I did. Just I was in the water like every day after school. Just put the time in. That's how you get better. Grind. Brian, thanks for being a part of this. This is yeah. rad. Thanks for having me. This yeah. Is this is awesome. This this kid and, and our quiet crew. So it's pretty cool to have a little piece of home show up in Jack's. Sick. All right, man. Thanks for being on the show. Of course. You. Thanks for having me. Product Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.